I gotta fucking before we even begin. This can be our little pre, uh, our little pre theme song bit. I got a fucking okay. bone to pick with IMDb. Okay, bitch, these bitches. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a matter of Criminal Minds changing the name of the episode right when it went up or what. Yeah, but they totally dropped the ball on, on the episode titles. I noticed when I downloaded them, I was like, these are not the names you said they were. They are not the names. They are not pieces of me and Pas de Deux. Um, They are, in fact, what doesn't kill us and forget-me-nots. I wonder if, I don't know if they've released the names of the ninth and 10th episodes. I wonder if it's going to be pieces of me and whatever. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Because watching these episodes, I don't see those being the names. Maybe they were just a placeholder. I don't know. Yeah, like it doesn't make sense that. Why is it saying seventeen seasons? Oh, because they, they got, got renewed. renewed. <laughs> so, yeah. so I just got a fucking I just got a fucking bone to pick with Criminal Minds Evolution season sixteen. It is its own show, but it is also season sixteen of Criminal Minds. Also, a viewer or a listener pointed out. On the behind the scenes, um, on like the behind the scenes photos that the actors have posted, yeah. it says season 16 of Criminal Minds. It doesn't say like on the, you know, like on the clapboard to sync up sound and audio, yeah. it says season 16, not Evolution. Criminal Minds Evolution season one. Interesting. So again, I must ask, what yeah. the fuck is this show? What is this show? <laughs> what is this show? It's very interesting the ways in which they are inconsistent and bad. That's what the show is. It's inconsistent and bad. They must okay. Hold up, I'm looking at an article at a decider article, um, yes. from when they, from November of this year, mm-hmm. and they have listed pieces of me and Pa de Du, uh, Pa de Ducks, Pa de, how do you fucking pronounce it? Pa de I just du, had you're that. right. Pa de Du. Um, they had those as episode seven and eight, so they must have renamed them. They must they have. Must have. I wonder if, like, they accidentally released the last two episode names as seven and eight. But I'm thinking, isn't, sorry, isn't Pod Day Do, isn't that like... A dance for two. It's a dance for two, but it's a dance for a man and a woman, right? Because it's from the Nutcracker, yeah, right? Yeah, typically, typically a man or a woman, yeah. I mean, so it's I a wonder, French term. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if... That is referring to the quote-unquote dance that Elias and the realtor are doing in episode eight. I mean, it would also kind of reflect Emily and Bailey, and it would reflect Penelope and Tyler. Like, I could see it. You're right. I could see it. I wonder if they just changed the name. Huh. And what was the first one? Pieces of Me? Uh huh. Pieces of me got changed to what doesn't kill us. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, all of this to say, um, 
I was not incorrect when I said the episode names last week. I was going off of the information we had at the time. No, literally, you can go back on the Wayback Machine. I like, I pulled it up on the fucking Wayback Machine because I was like, I swear to God, I had these episode titles right. And I, I did. Yeah. Anyway, fucking cue the theme song. I'm right. Fuck it. <laughs> Welcome back to Wheels Up, a Criminal Minds podcast. I'm James. And I'm B. And are we doing like a like a radio host version of this? Are we doing? I always like when we have this energy. And okay. I just feel like if the rest of our podcast is nonsense, at least our opening can sound decent. I think we should keep this energy because my voice is starting to crack like a teenage boy's. So I would appreciate if we could keep this like chill, like low key energy. I can do that. I'm more than happy to. Before we start talking about this episode, I'd like to take a quick shout out to our friend of the podcast, Mel, who came over to my house to hang out and who I had mentioned I wanted to clean. They got me to clean by just starting to clean. And then (laughs) I felt so guilty that they were a guest in my house cleaning that I did get up and and, and help take the recycling (laughs) out. So shout out to Mel for knowing exactly how to. um, Trick your brain into cleaning. Social, social, awkward, social responsibility. Social engineering. (laughs) Yeah, I was socially engineered into that. So thanks to Mel. Great. This week on the podcast, we're talking about season 16, episodes 7 and 8, Pieces of Me. And no. For, Not Pieces of doesn't, Me. What doesn't, what doesn't kill, you, kill us. Doesn't and kill Forget us Me Nots. Forget Me Nots. God dang it. I know. I'm sorry. I know. I know. Come on. It's Come not you. On. It's them. It's always them. Criminal Minds. It's them. And what what episodes this week? What episodes <laughs> we watched, you know? Interesting episodes. I'd say... Okay, but how great was it to see Henry and Michael? I was so glad they popped up again! I was so delighted! Like, hello, boys! It's been so long! Mackay, who plays Henry, is literally half an inch taller than JJ. That's just how it is, man. That's just how it is, boys, right? That's just how and boys then, are. And then Phoenix, who plays Michael, had his mullet. If you Okay, if you don't follow AJ Cook her, and her husband, uh, uh, Nathan Anderson, on Instagram, what are you doing? Their family is adorable. And they'll just post, like, random shit of them, like, out in the desert. <laughs> like, visiting cousins in Utah. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Mormons. And they posted a picture. Apparently, AJ Cook, like, went away for, like, a girls weekend. And 
Phoenix like got his hair shaved into like a shitty mohawk and they put a <laughs> bunch of like fake tattoos all over him and it was like so funny. They're such a cute little family. I love that. I was so delighted to see the boys again. I know. It really was like, man, that's a crowded house. Anytime there's more than like two people in like a living room, I'm like, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> when really living rooms are made for more than two people i know i know i'm just so used to my two people three animals okay the previously on the things they cover are the explosion of the shipping container bailey mentioning that the brass wants the bau gone they need proof securius is still out there the stuff about rebecca the tyler green romance moose the dog and elias killing his uncle those are the things they put in the previously on so that's clearly what they are focusing on great Okay, the title cards in these episodes. The fucking title cards. I texted you as I was watching this episode. I'm like, I love that they just use the default fucking Helvetica font as their whole title cards. Somewhere in West Virginia. Okay. Okay. Literally, I put all of the names they put on the title cards in like all caps. Somewhere in West Virginia. Okay. Okay, I have a bone to pick. Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Okay. I love Harper's Ferry. I've been there several times. It's the halfway point on the Appalachian Trail when you're hiking. It's the middle. And my goal, you know, is to hike from Georgia, which is the start, to Harper's Ferry. I'm going to do that one day. You know, fingers crossed. But anyway, it's like a little, a tiny, first off, tiny as shit. Tourist town. Historical tourist town. The last time there was a college in Harper's Ferry, it was 1955. And it's a, a very, very famously Harper's Ferry, West Virginia had Storer's College, which was one of the first all black colleges. Harper's Ferry is the birthplace of the NAACP. It's not a college town. Like, at first they said, oh, Camden, Camdale College, Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. I was like, that's not the college, is it? <laughs> and I looked it up. No, it's not. Not only that, there's no college there. And then they were like, well, you know, these college towns. You could not pick a less college town than Harpers Ferry. It is literally, it is, t there are two streets in Harpers Ferry. Two <laughs> streets in the town of Harpers Ferry, Okay. One of them is alongside the train tracks, restaurants, the hiking shop. The other one is literally the next street over. And it's got like a museum for the NAACP. It's got like two more museums and it's got a couple of B&Bs. Up on the hill, you have Harper's Ferry National Park and this big creepy church you can see. And then there's some old, there's an old like paper mill that's just stones now. And that's it. That's, that's it. Okay. So when they were like, he's in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. I was like, okay, yeah. Middle of fucking nowhere. Great. <laughs> no. No. And then they're like, we need a jet. We need the jet to fly out there. It's an hour drive from Quantico. <laughs> they were really upset about their jet being taken away. And I'm like, West Virginia's not that far, you guys. You can get to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, faster than you can get to Baltimore when there's traffic. Okay? When they were like, we can't go there. We don't have the jet. I was like, you've driven further than this. 
I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's just stupid. It's stupid. They're being they're stupid. They're like, oh, West Virginia, you know, it's far away. Literally, no. I feel like sometimes they forget that they are in Virginia. They're, Guanaco is in Virginia. And Harper's Ferry isn't, Harper's Ferry isn't even like the middle of West Virginia. It is across the Shenandoah from the Virginia <laughs> state line. Okay, you literally cross a bridge from Virginia into West Virginia and you can see Harper's Ferry from that bridge. Okay, <laughs> What are they talking about? I hate this show. I hate that they can't give five fucking seconds to Google Maps something. I hate it. It's bad. It's a bad show. It's a bad show. They're truly betting on no one. And the thing is, is like, they could have set this. There are so many colleges in Virginia. So many colleges in Virginia. I know four that my college football team plays every season. That's just off the top of my head. And there's even, you could do like University of West Virginia, I'm sure. I'm sure there are colleges in West Virginia. And instead they picked a, it is a famous historical town. There's a national park there and they picked it. And we're like, yeah, it's a college town. What? Anyway, that's my location bone to pick this time. You get one every episode. And by episode, episode, I mean an episode of our podcast. So you can't pick any more bones with any other locations in these two episodes of Criminal Minds now. You've gotten your one? I don't know anything about California. I can't say anything about Indio. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm sure they live in... The the whole thing is based in California. I'm sure they got that right. If you hear a dog toy, it's my dog. Gia never would have guessed. It's your dog playing with dog toys? No. Never. Say it so. I'm telling our listeners. I'm telling our listeners. Okay. Somewhere in West Virginia, we start. I wrote that a woman wakes up. I wrote she's in like a metal coffin because when we That's see her. That's what they her, want you to think at first, I yeah, think. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you see her, she's kind of like surrounded in her feet, but then there's a tunnel behind her. A scary tunnel. She's crawling. She's crawling. She starts to go left and she hears a woman scream and she's like, actually, and goes straight instead. <laughs> This actress, great job with what she was doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, I think, this first one, I think, is Brooke Sorensen. She plays Grace Riley, and then Valerie plays Ashley later. I'm this is Ashley. Both- this is Ashley. Oh, is this Ashley? Yeah, thought- Grace is the blonde. Oh, Grace is the blonde. Yeah, okay, sorry. So this is Valerie Lou playing uh, Ashley. Sorry, I got, they just both have classic white girl names, so I just got confused. <laughs> Great job doing a lot with, like, not a lot of room to work with. Like, literally not a lot of room to work with acting-wise. She she is in a tunnel. She just does a great job with not a lot of, like, gesture room and stuff. Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. It's all in the face acting. They're very good at that face mm-hmm. close-up acting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she sees a camera in the in the tunnel, and she starts, like, begging and I said, is it the, uns-? I said, it's the unsub, right? Yes. And then we see a row of these old ass computers. <laughs> the like, the thick off-white monitors, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hate them. And, and, okay, and then she's like speaking into the camera and she goes, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> and I was just like, I said, girl, duh. (laughs) (laughs) No shit, Sherlock. Yeah, I know. Who is supposed to be here? You know, like, 
who is like what are you talking <laughs> i'm not supposed to be here yes correct correct you're correct yeah okay he's made a mistake he'll let you go now like come on i'm not supposed to be here oh shit i got the wrong girl my bad like <laughs> my bad what? my bad yeah we get the opening i okay now that they have been renewed and this is officially like a season i demand <laughs> An opening sequence with the fucking da na 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 for season 17. If that doesn't happen, I will riot. I will, I have connections. I will tweet at Edward Bonero and say. Like, is Edward Bonero working on this reboot? I can't remember. No, he's not. He's not. He's not. I will tweet him and I will say, get me in contact with Erica Messer. I want my theme song back. I want my theme song back. And he'll be like, no thanks. <laughs> okay. Oh, and then I wrote Bailey's doing the voiceover. He's here this episode. My boy, Doug, Dougie B. My boy, Doug. Dougie B. <laughs> Dougie B and Emily P. I actually really like Doug this episode. Wait, I pause. I really Quick like pause. Him. Quick pause. Emily and Bailey and JJ, when they work together, PB and J. Sorry, I just had to. I actually, okay, I'll talk about it more once we get to when those three are working together, but I really like those three as a me unit, too. actually. Absolutely. It, that reminds me of the old, like, JJ Hotch Emily dynamic. Really does. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, we can continue. No, you're right. Okay, Emily's in her office being a MILF boss. Penelope comes in and she's like, hey. I need to tell you about Tyler. And Emily's like, what about Tyler? And Bailey's just like, boop, hey, time to go. And um, they're about to go talk to the attorney general. Okay. The face Bailey is making, the wide eyes, the like spread hands against his chin. He is just like, fuck me, dude, this sucks. <laughs> and he's like, I've never done so anything so stressful. How are you calm? I wanted Emily to be like, I'm good at compartmentalizing like throwback but instead she goes you know i've been assaulted drugged and killed in the course of duty uh presentation is not you know a big deal in the scheme of things which is so funny and really that is her saying in maybe more words that she is good at compartmentalizing (laughs) yeah she's like i'm real good at weighing how scary something is is this as bad as that time that i died no I'm okay. <laughs> and she goes, what's the worst that could happen? And then the attorney general walks in and Bailey's like, we're about to find out. <laughs> the attorney general's just going to shoot them in the face if it's a bad presentation. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. JJ shows like the 10 pieces of evidence that are left after the explosion. And they find an RFID tag. And they're like, yeah, some people have them in a, their bodies, but also like dogs have them. Great. And then Rossi looks at JJ and like nods and JJ like leaves the room and Tara's just like on her phone. She like keeps looking to see texts from Rebecca. Rossi basically is like, I'm going to give you three days to follow up on the RFID. And she's like, it takes 15 minutes. And he's like, yes, I'm giving you three days. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And she's like, okay, thanks. Bye. Nothing happens with that. She just takes her time to go talk to Tawny, I guess. Yeah, it's so weird. Okay, the fact that Moose Moose's owner was alive, like he just took Moose again. I told you this. Yeah, you predicted that. That was good on I you. Did. 
Doesn't anybody listen to me? I'm Cassandra of goddamn Troy over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he, he, he left her alive. Good for him. Good for okay. her. Happy that she's not dead. Yeah. Because I think the actress is cute. Happy that you're not dead, Sarah. Sarah uh, Ann. Glad that you're not dead, yeah. Dusty. Good for you. The attorney general was like, we have Ben Reeves. There's a ton of proof about that. Like, what do you have? And Emily's like, well, the profile and this and that. And she's like, yeah, no, sorry. And then Emily is like, I'll resign. But like, aren't people already trying to get her to quit? I I thought that was a pretty big thing is that people are trying to get the BAU to quit. The Senator General should have been like, oh, thank God I don't have to fire you. (laughs) Thank God you saved me the paperwork. Yeah, now you don't get like a fire, you know, now you don't get package. your severance package. Right. And then but then Bailey is like, me too, I'll do it. Great. And then the Attorney General is like, actually you have tunnel vision because like you were supposed to have on this serial killer case and you just like haven't. Didn't? <laughs> yeah. And the Attorney General is like, look, I'll think about Securius and you two are gonna prove that you can still do this job. And then Doug is like, What's in West Virginia? And Emily's like, Ugh. Like, it's a bad one. <laughs> it's, it's actually <laughs> And <sad>. it is. <laughs> and it is. Yes, absolutely. Okay. We're back in the tunnel. Oh, there's Christmas lights hung up, but they're off. Yes. That gets noticed. Oh, like, they say something about that. And then later they're on. Yeah. But there's no, like, plot point to them. I thought the Christmas lights being off and then on were, like, he's getting her to he's incentivizing her to move back into the tunnels after she's already out of them yeah that's what i read the christmas lights turning on as also i hate that i can't see fucking christmas lights now and not think of stranger things oh i literally didn't even think about it that's all i could think of i was like oh so true stranger things she's going nuts the girl is going nuts in the tunnel someone wrote help me in blood and she starts like screaming into a vet like help me help me oh my god Great. Back at Quantico, Emily is like, we shouldn't have missed this case. And then she's like, you know, yeah, we really need to get on this. And Rusty's like, oh, we're shorthanded. And she's like, no, we're not. Fucking Bailey is going to help them. And Bailey's like, thank you for welcoming me. And Rusty says, I didn't. <laughs> so Rusty is so judgmental towards this man. Like, Rossi himself did not do the same fucking thing when he joined the team. I know. He literally just showed up and started working. Like, sir? Sir? Don't be that judgmental. Bud. Yeah. Bud. And then they say it's ironic that Bailey's job now depends on them. Great. He prepared a briefing. This is where... (laughs) Sorry, I had my little rant in the document here. The victim they found is Terry O'Brien. He went to Camdale College in Harpers Ferry, which is bullshit. There are no colleges in Harpers Ferry. We get it. I understand. Et cetera. And I, I understand, Bestie. Here's what, okay, I didn't get this. He goes, um, the last time he was seen was at an alumni event. And then the BAU, everyone is like, alumni event? And they're like looking around. I I was like, why are they... Did he say it weird? Did he say like alumni or something? 
Well, I wonder I just, like, if they thought it was weird because they were under the impression that this guy was a active college student, not a former college student. Well, no, because he's a professor. Well, he's a TA. I think he was a grad t- no, student, I think, no, right? Great Grace was his TA. Uh-huh. Grace was Terry's TA. That's how he sold her the Oxycontin. But he's not old enough to be a professor professor, is he? Terry, whatever, He doesn't yeah. look that old. I mean, not, no offense, but like, usually by the time you have done your schooling and get a job, you're like older than 25. And this dude looked super young to me. I mean, you can graduate with your master's at 24 and be an adjunct. I guess. I guess, yeah, adjuncts, sure. So they say they found a ton of lacerations on Terry's body. They don't know, like, what exactly it is, but it looks bad. It's bad. Grace attended Terry's class. We later learned that she's a TA, and they're like, is it romantic or an opportunity? And then Emily's like, let's go wheels out. But then he's like, Bailey's like, actually, the, the debt is uh, gone. Sorry. <laughs> you had it for one episode, and now it's gone. And now it's gone again. Sorry, besties. Yeah. Again, Harper's Ferry, not that yeah. far of a drive. You could have. And then they go later. Emily goes later to yes. Harper's Ferry to the fake school. Yes. Rossi and Luke are going to go examine Terry's body. JJ's going to interview Terry's parents. And then Emily feels bad that Bailey has no tasks. He's like, what am I supposed to do? And they'll just like leave. And he's like, got it. I'll do that. And then she steps back and she's like, look, why don't you just keep tabs on missing persons reports? Okay. And I was like, she gives him a little task. And he's like, okay, I will. And then literally he finds out that he's the one who finds out Ashley's missing. Because he was doing that, which is very funny. He's good this episode. I like him a lot this ep. Yeah. I like his sort of like villain rehabilitation era, actually. Actually, I enjoy it. Okay. Elias is making breakfast. He's making eggs. And she's like, well, you don't like my eggs? And then he's like, I think your eggs are too old. And I was like, sorry. Menopause joke. All right. I was like, are you teasing her for being out of her childbearing years like what is going on (laughs) okay and then he's like imagining okay these episodes there was some stuff that's really predictable i like wrote down like my predictions as they happen so he starts like remembering his conversation with his uncle and i was like is he gonna burn the eggs and then he comes through and the rag is on fire I would just she's to say, so chill about this rag being on fire, by the way. I'm like, girl, move over and put it out yourself, bestie. Also, like, that's not, like, the rag catching on fire is not something that, like, happens because you're daydreaming. You know? How did the rag not catch on fire before this? Like, Where is like, this rag put- positioned? Right. That it randomly catches on fire. Right. It was weird. And then... He's like, sorry, I'm tired from being on the road so much. And then I was like, he they have the whole thing of him kidding his wife. And I was like, imagination? Yes, it is. And then I wrote, he's de-evolving. You can't bring up my demons like this today. That's so <laughs> fucked up. Then he says, I just need some rest. And then he walks away. And I was like, you were making breakfast. <laughs> I wonder if he was making breakfast I think it's supposed to be implied that he's making breakfast for the girls and then he's probably going to go to sleep. But then, like, I don't know. He just sort of, like, leaves mid-breakfast making. And I'm like, damn, bro, I... 
he's making eggs for his daughters and then his wife is like can i have eggs and he's like yes i will make you eggs and then he's like sorry i'm just tired and then he just walks away from the stove with the eggs there he like doesn't he like yeah finish your task it's weird it's weird luke and rossi goes to the emmy to the medical examiner and she says the marks in the body look like a whip but i've never seen a whip like this and then unfortunately rossi's like i know what kind of whip that is it's a cat of nine tails hate that bondy was bondy <laughs> i hate that rossi was into bondage and that this continues to come up i think it's a very fun like it's a fun character moment that they've stuck with but it's like in the same way that jj was just like oh i know what cuckolding is it's rossi being like oh yeah no i know what kind of marks those are cat and i tails very familiar <laughs> And then they're like, it's too sharp to be a cat of nine tails, like regular one, you know, because they're obviously not mentally blood. And then 314 is carved into this guy's forehead. And Rossi's like, should we call Reed and ask him about the significance of pie? And Luke's like, no, it's not pie. And then quotes Genesis. Like off the cuff. Yeah, but then he's like, you don't grow up in my abuela's house without being able to quote the Bible, which I do enjoy. Which is also very cute. A lot of cute yeah. character moments, but also the yeah. cursed Rossi bondage moment. So really. I know. Mixed bag. Evens out. Yeah. And he's like, also like, and the quote is something about like crawling for sins and whatever. And he's like, I didn't just come to that conclusion out of nowhere. Like, look at their hands. Like they were clearly crawling. And that makes sense. Okay. Bailey is like, hey, another girl's gone missing. It's the girl that we saw in the tunnel. And Penelope's like, okay, there were no connections between the first two victims. Terry had a misdemeanor at one point, but it was scrubbed clean. And JJ's like, yeah, college towns do that. Famously not a college town. JJ's going to go interview Terry's parents. Let me be angry about this. <laughs> Just a little. I didn't say anything. You looked. You looked. Listeners, they're trying to get away with this because you can't see them. But I can see them. Okay. JJ is going to interview Terry's parents. Bailey's going to sit in with it. And then they're all like, great, break. And they go away and Emily just goes, freeze! And stops Penelope in her tracks and is like, you were going to tell me something about Tyler Green. And I knew this was going to happen. Penelope's like, into the office, they close the door and I was just like waiting. And then Emily goes, what? Like super loud. And I was like, yeah, obviously. And then she has this whole spiel about like when two agents date, there's releases and transfers. And I was like, yeah, Penelope knows she dated kevin for several years sometimes you just need to repeat some shit to make a point I and i so. respect emily for that yeah she's like by the way this is a really bad idea and then she's like he's not even an agent he's a material witness to this crazy serial killer case and she's not wrong and then she's like break it out today and penelope's like he's still at my house and i like oh no my migraine and she's like we didn't have sex he was just hung over and I said that Emily has that, like, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed face. Yeah. She's just and like, she's oh, right. she's right. She has to deal with all of her most annoying children today. Yeah. And Penelope tries to get out of it by, like, I ran in and I did this and I did that. And Penelope's like, you have him mail the key back. And Penelope's like, yeah, I totally will. And Emily's like, it's a throbbing migraine. <laughs> Stop. Great. The interview with Terry's parents. This was really interesting to me. Terry's parents are like, you know, the FBI has lost the U.S.'s trust in recent years. 
and then they see Bailey notices that um, Terry is wearing the Gadsden snake, which is the "Don't Tread on Me" snake, which is a symbol that like Republicans and shit use. And it's and... the it's the libertarian snake, isn't it? It's on the libertarian. Is that the libertarian well, flag? It's not just though. Like it's on the New York license plate. Basically, it's like a symbol from 1775 as a battle cry for American independence from British rule. And basically, he said, you know, don't tread on me. Here, let me read you this right here. The tread in Gadsden's defiant phrase, don't tread on me, means to step, walk, or trample so as to press, crush, or injure something. And so, with its tongue flicked, fangs out, and body coiled in defense, the rattlesnake and motto warns, if you dare put your foot down on me, I will strike. And so then in the late 2000s, the Tea Party started using it, right? Like 2009. And now it's kind of like that racist, it's not like American nationalist bullshit. But I think also libertarians use it, even though they're anti-government. But it's that whole like, the government can't take my guns. Mm-hmm. The government can't tell me what to do. <laughs> the government can't tell me to treat black people nicely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's... Terry was wearing that. I wrote, oh, they're Republican. Great. And nobody is surprised. No one's surprised. And then Bailey is like, yeah, you know, my dad is super anti-government. You know, I'm kind of rebelling by working for the FBI, but sometimes even I'm like, fuck the system and that's what gets them you know to like bailey and bailey's like look the fbi sucks but the bau's only job is stopping killers and like they took these two girls and anything you could tell us could help so the mom says you know terry sold this one girl oxy and like the police found out Mm -hmm. this is something we've touched on i think a little bit when we're talking about the main series is that the bau gets a lot of extra leeway because they are stopping the worst of the worst they are stopping serial killers instead of like white collar criminals or other people breaking the law like they are stopping killers i think they get a lot of like bonus points for that when they're doing when they're like completely disregarding procedure because it's like but life's hanging the balance you know i am kind of annoyed that they've continued this like okay we get it that's your job i know they very much i mean it goes all the way back to season one when reed said mom i'm not the government yeah and it's like but you are baby yeah i mean you're totally right it's exactly what we've always talked about where the bau sees themselves as like vigilantes who have government resources they don't see themselves as part of the fbi and they do get away with that because they're catching serial killers exactly it's like you can't be mad at someone who's stopping serial killers exactly you You can't be mad at somebody for like not doing murders like i like doug bailey can i say i like doug bailey i like doug bailey yeah it took us a little bit to get there but like i like it yeah and we knew he was gonna have a redemption arc like i'm so sure we predicted that we called this oh for sure for sure for sure absolutely okay so yeah so they point out that grace bought oxycontin from terry they don't know anything about ashley and then base bailey is like 
And then Bailey asks the parents if he can call them when they arrest the killer. And they're like, we'd like that. Great. Emily's like impressed. Emily's impressed by Bailey's whole thing. And then Bailey tells a story like, you know, my dad's a hippie in Woodstock. I know how to like code switch politically. And meanwhile, Emily and JJ just like keep looking at each other, like clearly can tell he's lying. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how are you going to lie at the same time you're saying, I'm good at code switching? Like, yeah, we, yeah, dude. And they point out that the unsub is old school fire and brimstone. I really wanted them to make a comment about, like, Henkel. I wanted JJ to be like, not again. (laughs) I thought it was a little weird that they didn't make a reference to one of the many killers who were old school fire and brimstone. Yeah, they haven't been referencing a lot of, like, past cases, and I wish they would. Anyway. Oh. The girl in the tunnel sees a light like shining at her and she's like, oh, yeah, a light. And then it goes away and she falls and Grace like catches her basically and is like, shut the fuck up. He's watching us. I don't know who he is, but he's judging us. Ooh, right. Mm -hmm. The RFID chip is from Moose and the girl's still alive, but Moose obviously got taken. So Penelope, oh, Tar and Penelope are talking, and Penelope is like, call Rebecca, apologize, talk to her. And Tara's like, I don't want to push her, but I hate waiting. They're going to get back together by the end of this season, I swear. I hope. So Tara leaves to go talk to Moose's owner, and then Tyler calls Penelope, and she doesn't accept the call. So clearly she's not listening to Emily Prentice. Okay. And then... We get the revelation of what the pattern is between all the missing people. Terry was a dealer, Grace was the user, and then Ashley was an enabler. She covered up a sorority sister's overdose. And that was bad. So he picked her up. And then they're like, okay, let's give the profile. And Bailey's like, there's another group that we should give the profile. And it's the Camdale College Administration. I like that Bailey is the one who, like, has this idea. And it shows that he, like... He does know what the BAU does. You know, like yeah. he knows where they should give another profile to make like maximum impact and to get records and such. Like, I, I like this a lot because it really shows that like, sure, Bailey's like competent the rest of the time and he like finds the missing girls report and everything. But like, this is him very clearly knowing what the BAU does, which I think colors a lot of his earlier actions more favorably towards him because maybe he was just getting a lot of pressure because like he knows what they do he knows how important they are he knows why they should still be here but he was still like having to push that like hey we need to fold you under domestic terrorism or something like that you know what i mean i also think that you know he comes from that very like cutthroat political arena and all of that but i think that he may have thought Emily and them were like that. You know? Like, he may have assumed they were like every other FBI agent he's met and that Emily was, like, gunning for him politically. And then when she stood up for him and was like, I don't give a fuck about politics or job titles or anything. I want to help my team and I want to work for the BAU. And that's when he was like, oh, you guys are, like, genuine. You know? Like, I think he needed to see... Just like we did, he needed to know that they weren't like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something. And especially Emily with her background and all of that, like, he could easily have assumed she was a political player. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Okay. So the unsup is he's middle-aged, he's physically fit, 
he stands out because of the Bible shit, and he's a moral absolutist. He can't trust God to punish those who sin because of something that happened to him. He's an injustice collector. He's suffered a severe moral injury, and so he curses other people. And his trauma is clearly related to drugs because everyone he's taken has had some connection to drug use or overdoses or anything like that. So they talk to the campus and they're like, you know, we need records based on this profile. He's definitely like a custodian or a maintenance worker, someone people wouldn't look for, but he would be learning from their garbage or eavesdropping or everything. And then I assume like the dean of the school says, you know, this is a liability nightmare. We can't sh- tell people that there's a serial killer. And then Bailey quotes Emily and is like, you can either like, you can either care for the people you're supposed to care for or you can like serve yourself and i said sorry but i i might actually be starting to ship it a little bit like it was a joke before no (laughs) god damn it i can't have a good mother adopted son relationship in media without somebody coming in and proving freud right god damn it we cannot i cannot be the one i we can't can, do this. We can coexist. You know, I, we, I'm not forcing you to ship it because I ship it. Like, this is the whole thing about, just, like, Here's the thing. Is James, James, here's the thing, Bestie. I normally agree with you. We can coexist happily. You and I come into this studio for three hours or more every week, and you and I talk about this show. There are ways in which we can peacefully coexist. There is ways in which we cannot, okay? You and I, you and I are locked together hand in unlovable hand through this fucking podcast, and you're like, I'm gonna ship the worst thing I've ever fucking thought of, and you just want me to sit here and fucking take it week after week? James, I can't do that! I can't do that, Bessie. Here's a question for you. Is Dougley better or worse than Spemily? <laughs> B has removed their earphones and walked away. If you don't know, Dougley is Doug and Emily, and Spemily is Spencer and Emily. I just think I like, I think I just ship Emily with twinks. I think that's kind of my thing. B is still gone. Um, I'll let you know when, when she comes back. Still missing. Still missing. Oh. Back with the cat for comfort. That's hilarious. I apologize. <laughs> One don't step too far. Me, don't ever ask me something that fucking stupid ever goddamn again. I swear to God, I will walk out of this fucking podcast studio right goddamn now, bestie. <laughs> Man, oh, that was a good I'm monologue, so wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah, that, that was, was a good one. Was My good. voice, by the way, is gonna be gone. It is, you can hear it. It's on the. It's been on the verge of breaking this whole week. Ugh. I'm out of here. How did you lose your voice? Sick. Yeah, I think I'm just sick, and it's been like no. coming coming in and out the last few days, and so mm. I like didn't talk all day today to try and save my voice for this, but then I did that whole fucking crazed villain monologue right there, so. can i tell you i fully just was like oh i hope he doesn't get me sick (laughs) 
I'm transferring my virus over Discord calls oh, now, I guess. God, you're going to give me but, a um, virus. Okay. <laughs> Back to Grace and Ashley. She's like, the place is abandoned except for them and, you know, him. Grace is like, drink some of this water. Sometimes he comes and gives food and stuff. And Ashley is like, sometimes, how long have you been here? And Grace is like, fuck if I know. And then <laughs> the like, last- so true, queen. So true. And then Ashley says that the last thing she remembered was walking home from the library. And then they both got bags over their heads, etc. And Grace says, he's testing us. Then he drops some sort of like smoke bomb full of a drug that knocks him unconscious. Wonderful. Elias is in the garage looking up, like Googling like Cyrus LeBron, which is his uncle, and like Googling Maria Jones. Her case has been reopened. And then I think he searches his own name and nothing comes up. He can hear his family arguing. So he goes inside and the mom is like, I asked the girls to be off the screen for an hour, but they won't do it. And he's like, come on, do it. And they're like, hypocrite you're always on your fucking phone and then he has he says i can't fucking take this family anymore and like shoots his family but of course it's an imagination except he really did say i can't fucking take this family anymore in real life not in imagination land and the wife is like fucking excuse me what is wrong with you and then he's like sorry it's work pressure my bad and he walks away and the oldest daughter (laughs) turns to the mom and goes Dad dropped the F-bomb. Is that, like, cool now? <laughs> and the mom's like, no, excuse me. And she goes after him. I like that. That feels like a very older daughter. Hey, dad cursed. Can, 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 can I, I curse? curse now? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Ashley wakes up and she's alone in that room. But now the tunnel is open and the Christmas lights are on. I think you're right. I think it was, like, to get her attention there yeah. and make sure she, like, got back in the tunnels. So she goes back in the tunnels. And I said, girl, you can just turn them off again. Like, I thought he was just going to turn them off and she's going to be like, well, fuck, I'm back in the dark ass tunnels with no flashlight. Anyway, she climbs out in like a new spot and then she's in some room and the lights turn on and through a window, she can see that Ash uh, Grace has been tied up, like arms above her head tied up. And the unsub gives her a, you know, a choice. She can either be free or take Grace's place. And Ashley's like, I'll get help, I promise. And then she goes to leave, and obviously that was the wrong choice. And then we see the cat of nine tails with literal literal fucking hooks yeah. on the end of them. It's brutal. Yeah. Okay. Here's that question about her choice. Clearly the right answer is to take. Like, I feel like if I'm in a space, I've been told he's judging us, it's all a test etc and then he gives you the choice of either leaving the store behind or taking her place the right thing to say is to take her place and then grace if 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 he did just switch you grace will get hell and she'd be extra like beholden to you because you've just taken her place so like yeah it would suck but either way someone would go get help right like that's it's i kind of thought that too honestly like, it does seem, especially with what she knows about how Grace says earlier, like, he's testing us. And she's like, oh, on what? It's like, well, I'm going to take a fucking guess here and say the first question he asks you is probably some sort of test, bestie. Yeah, like, like if you see Grace hanging there, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it would suck to die and to be hit with those things, obviously. 
Correct. But but either way, someone, like, even if you don't want to think of, like, it's the right thing to do, whatever. Either way, someone is getting out to get help. Yeah. You know? Like, what are you talking about? Okay. I was like, you're so stupid. (laughs) Anyway. What what would the episode have done if she was like, I'll take Grace's place? Would he have just been like, oh. Oh, shit, okay. Um. This oh. never happens. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> would he have been like you? You made the right choice. You can go. Like what? Like what? Oh, I didn't expect. I, yeah, you I don't know what huh. his end game was there. So many times, I'm like, "What is your end game? What if they... what's what's the next step here, bestie? <laughs> right. Like it feels like when people are like, you know, do this, or I'll kill you, and then they do it, and they're like, "Oh shit, I don't usually get this far." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay, now we're in Nashville. Another old caps title. I don't like this. Go back to lower thirds. <laughs> I hate this. Like, now we're in Nashville. Here's the sky. It feels a little bit. It feels a little bit YouTube video essay. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or, like, documentary or, you know, like... Like, even documentaries usually are on, like, lower thirds. Although, I mean, the the recent Netflix documentaries have had sort of, like, those title cards in between. But it really feels a little bit like YouTube video essay to me with the, like, all caps, no picture, just all caps, Helvetica font, Nashville, or somewhere in West Virginia. You know what I mean? It feels like they're trying to be, like, a fucking action movie. You know, like, every time they change, it's like the big title card. And it's like, stop it. You're criminal minds. You're criminal minds. You're not Fast and Furious. Literally. Okay. Tara's talking to Moose's owner, who's really upset. And then she, like, prays for Moose's soul. She's like, can I have a moment? And Tara's like, oh, yeah. And then she's like, please, God, make sure Moose's soul is in heaven. Thanks. And Tara's like, weird. Okay. And she asks <laughs> You can tell the man, Tara thinks it's weird, but she's not about to, like... rag on this girl for it like you do you girl you just learned your dog died in a serial killer container yeah you can pray you can have a minute like go (laughs) go for it all dogs go to heaven etc so then she's like was there any man that stood out the night of moose's disappearance and the girl's like i see a lot of weirdos at my ace hardware store um but i do have cameras and tara's like great let's go look at them and then the girl's like wait and she grabs i thought she was gonna start flirting with tara she like she's like one second yeah, she grabs Tara's hand and, like, prays and is like, please let, <laughs> please let Agent Lewis be less distracted so she can figure out who killed my dog. And Tara's like, that's my bad. <laughs> Tara, even if you're not religious, kind who of in bad, their- in bad form here to check your phone while somebody is praying for you. That's the thing, you know? Like, if if a bunch I mean, of people are just praying, then that's, like, fine. You can uh, check your phone. I don't care. Somebody is directly sitting right next to you and praying for you. I don't care if you're, like, not super religious. It feels like if they're trying to do it respectfully, then maybe you just, yes. like, stay off your phone for the next minute. And she could open her eyes at any fucking second. You, and obviously you she didn't even need like, to. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if everybody knows, but, like, there's no rule about keeping your eyes shut. Like, you're supposed to, but, like, you don't have to. You can just open your eyes mid-prayer. 
literally she could open her eyes at any time and see Tara on her phone. I was like, Tara, what the fuck are you doing? But also how like lesbian is it to be so fucking obsessed with your ex? <laughs> I was like, Aisha Tyler fully knows how to be good. Aisha Tyler gets it. Aisha Tyler's queer man, she gets it. She gets it. She gets it. She understands. She's my girl for this. She's so real for this. So then we cut to Penelope, who is also in her feelings about her partner. All emotional in the office, and she calls Tyler, who's jogging. Like, okay. And Penelope's like, he's so hot. I'm so sorry. He's so hot. I know I'm fully a lesbian, but like... Uh, no, he's attractive. I know fine art but, when I see it. He's really hot. <laughs> Penelope Garcia says, I only date golden retriever hunks. And she's so Derek, real for that. Luke, Tyler. Even, I know we hate him. Kevin, that actor, that one like, that. Ew. there's one scene when he's like shirtless, that, that one shirtless scene, that oh, man yeah. is built for fucking strength. That is not Buffer. like body built strength. <laughs> that is like lift a train strength right there. You know what I mean? He's a shitty person, yeah. that actor, I think. Um, and I don't especially like Kevin, but that woman has a type and she knows it. And she she's good at picking up that type. Yeah, she knows like exactly that correct type. And then she calls. So basically, she's like, do you remember that kiss? And he's like, obviously, she's like, it was a mistake. My mistake. My face question to your face, etc. But what about the case? And if I'm called to testify, they can point out that we've been dating, etc. And he's like, fine, I'm going to contact. And she's like, great, good. And he's like, I'll come by and drop off the key. And she's like, wait, no. And he hangs up. Great. I, okay, I know we'll talk about this in a minute. But like, I thought he wanted justice for his sister. <laughs> Man is thinking with his dick after like uh, more than a decade of this whole thing. He was in prison for a while. I can see why he's thinking with his dick, you know? Um... It's been that long. Penelope Garcia is that incredible. Like, I get it, you know? Like, I get it. Like, I get it. But this could have been, a like, a moment of, like, the weight will make it so much sweeter when it happens, etc. But, it, like, I'm sorry. I get it. Like, I get it. I would immediately fall in love, too. But. Dude. Your sister's murderer could go free. Because you're horny <laughs> yeah yeah eh. maybe i'm just not this is criminal minds they don't care about the <laughs> laws about the trial it's just I mean, we've talked about this they just this go into scene, a, a void you this know? scene made me be like oh he's securious is gonna die we don't need to care about the trial. Like, he will be dead. <laughs> you know? Like, that's what this scene told me. Like, the scene where he shows up and they kiss. I'm like, okay, we don't need to care about the trial. He will be dead. None of this matters. <laughs> he's dying. Sicarius is outside playing basketball because that's what he does when he's upset, I guess. And the wife shows up. Okay, I stand his wife. And if she dies, his wife I'm going to so be good. very mad. She's so good. She's a, an amazing partner. She comes out and she's like, you know, my dad was abusive towards my mother and me and I've had these bad relationships and you promised me that you would never treat me the way they treated me. And here you are yelling at me, yelling at our children, avoiding me. And she's like, I know the truth. I know you lost your job. Like, what is with the traveling then? Because 
you know, you've been also it's been no, months she, since the start of the show. I know, and that doesn't make any sense. She says like I know the truth about everything and then Elias just right. walks away from her and goes to get mm. one of his kill kits. And I think mm-hmm. we need to do this scene in order because it does okay. make it so like Right, right, right. So he goes to walk away. And she follows him, and I love that she follows him. I hate when there's an argument and someone walks away and they, like, let them go. I'm like, that's going to solve nothing. You need to talk. So she follows him, and she's like, absolutely not. You don't get to walk away from me. And he pulls out his kill kit, and then he, like, has a gun and is, like, hiding it. But he's, like, fully ready to shoot her if she knows fully. the truth. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't give a shit. So then she's like, I said, you know, She's going to think he's cheating. But in reality, she's like, I know you lost your job. So why have you been traveling so much? Is it gambling? Are you doing drugs? Are you cheating on me? And he says he was interviewing for other jobs because he was embarrassed. And he wasn't going to tell her until he had a new job because he didn't want to scare her. And she's like, clearly that didn't work. I'm scared. I like that she specifies. She's like, I just need to know the plan. I don't need right. to know that everything is going to work out okay or what. I just need to know what your plan is. And I love yeah. that because that's such like a, that's such just like a good way. That's such a good way to like, no, to deal absolutely. with your partner once they've like lost their job or something like, Hey, yes, I don't know what's going on. I just need to know like, what's the plan? What do I need to do? And I love that. Yeah. And, sh- and she says, you know, the silence and the outbursts are terrible. I'm not going to handle it. And he puts his gun down and he picks up like something random out of his kit. And he's like, I'll think of something, I promise. And it's a, it's a basketball pump. I didn't know what it was. But clearly he has like, the fact that it's in his kill kit means that like, he knew at some point he was going to have to open it and like either go for a gun or like pretend it was nothing, you know. Then we go back to the unsub. He lets Grace down to the floor and like leaves. Grace, I thought this was a really gay scene. Grace, this is a really gay scene in the way that, in the same way that, like that first, uh, the first Saw movie is really like a gay cult classic. Um, this is, is a it? gay scene. Yeah, I, among the horror movie know. gays, I'm told that it's very exquisite for homoerotic tension. Oh, well, we do love that. Okay, these basically girls, they these are. Girls. It's a little. It's a little bit, it's it's like a lot of gay, actually. Actually, yes. Okay, so Grace has like one of the nine tails hooks like in her side and the guy takes the rest of them and she's like, she's like laying in Ashley's lap and she's like, don't blame yourself. I made the same choice. You know, I'm going to die. Like we're both going to die, but I want to die on my own terms. And they pull out the hook. And then Grace looks at Ashley and says, now here's the plan for when he comes back. And I was like, this girl has been using her time to come up with a fucking plan and I love her. Yes. And again, this goes back from what I, one of the very first things I mentioned at this show, like one of the very first conversations we had is like the victims are not just sitting there waiting to die. This bitch had a plan. And she was like, you're going to pull this knife out of me. And, but he can't see it. And here's what you're going to do. Like, ah, this show. No, I, know. Oh. I know. I know. That's what I think 
makes it better than CSI and SVU and all those other shows is that there are living victims to save. Yeah. You know? And then when they lose victims and they don't save them, it feels even worse because most of the time they do get to save someone. And I just like, oof, it's, it's rough. Okay. They find out who the guy is. He's the superintendent at Camdale. His daughter died of an overdose and everyone involved was either arrested or expelled so they can't punish him directly. And then she walks past Bailey and she goes, time to suit up. <laughs> okay, fuck me up with Emily back in her FBI vest. I was like, queen. It's good to be back, baby. We are back in the promised land. We have walked for 40 days and 40 nights and bestie, we are here. Mana from heaven, I, I swear. Truly mana from heaven. <laughs> I love that she's in her ponytail her ponytail and her vest she's like putting her belt back on and it's just like very good actually and Doug's in his it. little polo shirt it makes me giggle I love that he's just in a polo this is the least formal thing we've seen him in and it's still like a polo shirt my dad would wear golfing it just know, really makes me giggle and then he says that he hasn't like gone out in the field since training she tries to calm him down by talking about training and like the stupid you know things that the instructor is this say. a callback is this a callback when she talks about that course that was designed to force failure is this a callback from when she and derek were training i remember oh there God. was one there was one scene where derek was like the trainer and there was a forced failure and emily like got in his face about it Yes. Or something like that, right? I bet it this is. This is a callback to that, right? Yeah. It, it feels like be. it is. It feels like it is. And then she like points and she's like, okay, the story you told about your dad in the interview was true, wasn't it? And he's like, yeah, he's a libertarian who owns so many guns. That's what Bailey says. <laughs> I love... I love the way that we describe our parents. We're like, yeah, he just owns so many guns. Like so many guns, though. Yes. And then he's like, I would be disowned if my dad knew that I did this job. Which was like, that was funny. Or I think it was like, if if like my dad saw me in the vest, he would disown me. That's what I read oh, that as. If he like saw fair. me now, he would disown me or something like that. Yeah. But then he's also like, He's talking about how, I forget like where it came from, but. I think Emily mentions Rossi, right? Emily mentions Rossi and is like, we'll talk to Rossi about like getting you in the field or something like Rossi can be like your mentor or whatever. And Beatty goes, great, another man my dad's age that I can disappoint. <laughs> I like Doug Bailey. He's funny the boys got jokes i like doug bailey unfortunately the boys got some goofs i mean he's got some goofs he he's got gags. some goofs and some gags and he's got some heart it's okay the scene at the end we'll talk about it i know okay i know i know i know i know, I know. so then the unsub is like seeing ashley like cry and like beg and stuff and she has the sharp thing in her hand and okay she's like Crying and crying and crying. And then when he walks away from the computer, she's like, come and get it, motherfucker. But like, she doesn't know he's not listening anymore. Sometimes you just need to cry and let it out. And then you need to be like, I'm going to fucking kill an old man now. 
I'm gonna but fucking like, stab an old man. But like, how does she know that he isn't listening? The timing, who knows? Don't worry about it. <clears throat> okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Okay. Don't worry about it. And then they say, okay, he's at the old campus power plant. Emily and Bailey are like, we're going to stay outside until we get back up. And then I wrote, oh, Grace is dead. (laughs) Because she's just like laying there. But they're sitting outside and they hear the scream from the woman. And they're like, obviously, we're going to go inside. So they go inside. Ashley has stabbed the guy in the leg with the hook. And she grabs his keys, and of course she like has bloody hands, can't get it open, manages at the last second, and she like runs into Doug, and she's like, "Get Grace, get Grace." So Bailey takes Ashley outside, and Emily goes forward. And I wrote, "Emily is hot. She's hot. She's so hot." Honestly, milf rights, jilf rights, milf rights. Why'd you say jilf rights? I just wanted to bring up that somebody was saying JJ was a MILF and Emily was a JILF. And I don't agree with that. Oh, you mean like GILF. Okay, fuck. GILF. I thought you meant J-I-L-F. And I'm like, James, you're not a MILF. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I am a, a, a James. I'd like to. Nope. Okay. I don't. I don't think you can make that joke work, Bessie. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut you off right here, and you're gonna thank <laughs> me for it. <laughs> Emily finds the unsub holding one of the knife nine tails blades against Grace's neck, and she makes a deal like, "You can let Grace go, and you can go free." And they walk in this weird circle. I wrote that that they walk in a weird circle, and then Emily quotes Genesis about the story of Lot and Sodom. Do you know that story? Mm-hmm. Right. And if you don't know it, Sodom, that's where we get Sodomite. It was a big city of sin. And Lot was like a follower of God. And he ran away with his wife in a city. And God was like, don't look back. And then Lot's wife looked back and turned to a pillar of salt and died. And the whole city turned to salt, etc. So she's like, don't be like Lot's wife. Don't look back. She puts her gun down, and then he goes to leave, and Bailey is there with the gun. And I was like, oh, the circle they were in put his back to the door. But mm-hmm. not only that, and I like the cinematography of this, the camera was focused on Emily the whole time. They like put he us was. Right. They put us in the unsub shoes of watching Emily talk so that we were just as surprised about Bailey as he was. I enjoyed that little piece of cinematography emily arrests the answer bailey goes to grace and grace is like did ashley make it gay but she's she's like i'm cold and he immediately takes his jacket off and like puts it over her and he's like is that better and he's like holding her hand immediately just like i'm doug like you're gonna be okay i was like oh fuck yeah he's like He's holding her hand and he's like, you did it. Like, you did mm. it. The people, mm. are, the people are coming and you're going to live. And the medics arrive and he like backs into the corner and his hands, he's like hold, like clasping his hands and they're like bloody and he's just like, oh my God. But I fully, I was like, okay, Doug, <laughs> I'm obsessed yeah. with you now. <laughs> That's such a good, this, this episode yeah. 
full of Doug Bailey rights, actually. Yeah, actually. Um, but this scene specifically, oh, what a scene. Oh, what a scene. No, it's actually incredible. I love this Because I feel like every member of the BAU has at one point or another had one of these scenes where they are just comforting somebody who is dying or about to die. And I like now that that Doug Bailey is part of the team. He's had this like moment where you need to connect with somebody who you know may die. And like, that's such a, just, this is such a moment. This is such a moment. Yeah. yeah. I feel insane. This moment makes me feel insane. Yeah. But in such a good way. In a good way. Like, it's so good. Yeah. Okay. And then we cut back to Elisa's house. The wife is sitting on the bed. And she's just, like, upset. And he's like, I'm going to go for a little bit. And she's mad at him for leaving, understandable. And Elisa's like, I'm going to go for a couple days. And I'll come back to be the husband you deserve. And she's basically like, she's basically like, fuck you. Like don't put this on me. I'm not making you leave. I'm not telling you to be different. You are the one making bad choices and you are the one leaving. Like you could stay and we could talk about this and instead you're leaving. Like this is not, no, absolutely not. And then the daughters, um, he goes to leave and the daughters are like, is it our fault? Is it forever? And he's like, I just need some time to like figure things out. And he gives the speech, ugh, the like, Take care of your mother while I'm gone. Help her with cleaning and laundry. And like, do your stinking homework. Yeah, and then he's like, when I come back, things will be the way that they were. And he's actually crying. Kind of. And she's just pissed. I wrote a couple of predictions here. I said he's either he's going to kill himself, he's going to kill a bunch of people, or he's going to get arrested. And he did none of those things. <laughs> So there's that. Well, he hasn't come back to his family yet. That's true. That's true. He just said he would. That is... You're correct. Okay. Rossi goes to see Tara. And Rossi's like, I got a second win. Let's hang out. And JJ's like, nice. I did it. Bye. <laughs> and just like leaves. And they say that, you know, they traced the microchip. They got the CCTV. And Rossi's like, did you get what you needed? And Tara's like, yeah, I'm going to turn my phone off for the night. And then JJ's like walking to the elevator and Will's in the lobby. And he's like, let's have date night together. I miss you. He says, let's have an adult supper. And I immediately was like, is this? Is that like how you say oral sex nowadays? <laughs> let's have an adult supper. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's very cute, and they kiss, and they leave, and Tara's watching them, and she's like, oh, I want that. Okay. And then Emily sees the Attorney General walk out of the conference room. Bailey walks out after, and he's like, don't worry, I told the parents and the family. The Attorney General closed the case. Sicarious cases are, you know, officially closed. And then Bailey's like, I'm really sorry. And Emily, like, smiles after him, all, like, proud. She's like, good for you. Making good choices. I'm telling you. That's a proud mother's look right there. Yep. Okay. Penelope's apartment. Oh my god, she's apartment 1A. And I was like, why does Penelope live on the first floor? <laughs> Whatever. Tyler is Are you kidding me? Dude, I would do that just for the ease of moving in alone. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, but Fuck she's carrying my shit up. 
But she's like a paranoid, like, FBI agent. You don't, like, live on the But not floor. anymore. She's healed. Yes. She has healed. Yes, correct. Except she did say she enjoys her job again. Anyway. Tyler shows up. She, like, takes the key. She's keeping a respectable distance. And then he turns around and basically he's like, you know, my plan was to find the unsub who killed my sister and then I was going to kill myself. And basically, like, you saved my life. You know, no matter what happens, you did that for me. And I wrote, he likes her so much. Um, But then they do he kiss. He does like her so much. He likes her so much. And then they do kiss. And I said, what the fuck, Penelope? <laughs> Penelope, get your head out of your pants. And then we see, like, Elias driving on the road. Rossi's looking at his computer. Elias pulls up somewhere to dig up a kill kit, but we don't see inside. And then Rossi, like, catches him on the CCTV. Rossi knows it's him because vibes. He's just like, I fucking know. And then Penelope's neighbor comes over and is like, is everything all right? I heard crashing. And I was like, haha, that's funny. They probably binged around on their way to the bedroom. No, Penelope's apartment is wrecked. Yeah. Like, just her umbrella is, like, open. <laughs> there is a lamp overturned. The sofa cushions are all fucked up. And he's, she pours herself a bowl of cereal, and he's, like, laying naked on her kitchen island with, like, baking books over his downstairs. And what? Over his dick. We've said dick several times. We can just say dick. I know. It comes and goes. <laughs> And he's he's just like, wow, how'd you do that? I can't believe it. And she's like, I know, I know. This man is exhausted. She has wrung this man dry. It is so fucking funny. He is laying there like he has just run a goddamn marathon. It is so funny. And so true, Queen. So true, Queen. God, she's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's wild. Episode 8, previously on Criminal Minds. Here's where we get flashbacks of JJ and Will struggling, the medical stuff, the second street connection with Elias, closing the case of Sicarius, the uncle, the wife trouble, Penelope and Tyler, and Rossi seeing the camera. Can um, I also just say how better off Sicarius would have been if he had actually worn a mask into that hardware store like we had fucking said? They would I not mean, have known a thing about that man. Literally, like the baseball cap covers his top half, and he would just, if he had just worn a face mask, he would have been so fine. He would have been absolutely unrecognizable. And instead, <laughs> they know he's beardy. Like, come on. Yeah. Rossi is getting Penelope to zoom in on the guy's face on the CCTV, and she's like, sorry, that's not how this works. You're not going to get anything. Rossi says, I know you didn't get any sleep last night. You always have a third cup of tea when you have a bad night's sleep. And He's like, is it the case? And she's like, yep, uh-huh, it's the case. And he's like, well, no, I know it's not the fucking case. Whatever, I don't care. I love them. And then Rossi's like, go to this frame. And I was like, you wrote down frame numbers. <laughs> Dork. And which then, is such an old man thing, which is very funny. It's such an old man thing. Just like in a couple episodes ago when he like spent all night looking through these text chats. Yeah. And was like, go to number 37 and 38. <laughs> Idiot. Okay, a f idiot affectionate. And then the guy in the CCTV, he's paid, like paid for his stuff, but he keeps reaching into his back pocket anyway. So it's like, that's weird. Great. Indio, California. 
we see Elias. He's like leaning on a post, looking at his phone with his bas- baseball cap on. And he has a picture of like a real estate agent. And then she's like getting out of her car. He's in front of her office and he calls her, watching her through the window. And it's like, hey, can we do a walk through the property? Property. And she's like, yeah, I missed you at the open house. And so, like, clearly he wants to be alone with her, right? He can't go to an open house because there's tons of people. But he can miss it and then ask for a walkthrough, and that's just fine, which is why, you know, he's done. Can I just say, I think this woman um, who plays Ramona, her name is Carrie Coop. Mm. Uh, she's fucking phenomenal this episode. She's so good. Oh, yeah. She's such a good actress i love it okay jj's house is like really really cute and the kids i was like the kids we got them back yeah and then henry's voice like it's cracked already he's like got his like grown-up voice he's 14 and he's tall and he has an attitude and then michael and henry leave the house to go you know i assume catch the bus and jj and Willa talking about sicarius about Elias about the surveillance and it's a lot then you know Henry comes back in to get a book and he hears Will talking about how his levels have stabilized and like he's been talking to the doctor and done tests and stuff and you know Henry leaves and I was like that's when I realized I was like they didn't tell their kids about it and it's like I get not talking I get not telling Michael but Henry's 14 like Henry's like almost an adult yeah yeah it's it's weird okay then we see elias and the woman at the house and he's like oh i saw an ad for you and he's like here's my family and she's like oh yeah i have kids it's great and then he says he needs somewhere with a view of the mountains so she says she'll drive him which is like ugh. And then the just- way that he sets this up actually is really good because he's immediately like he's offering he's like oh I took a ride share over here so give me the address I'll meet you there and she's like no she's a realtor she makes commissions she's like yeah I'll drive you it's alright yeah. like it's really it's a clever little setup that he does then I do just yeah. want to like point that out it, no it definitely is even the way that he starts being like I want a place with the mountains and this and that where it's like okay he's getting her to take him away from the city you know, and then we just cut to her waking up after she was drugged. Also, AJ Cook directed this episode. And I think she did an amazing job. I think she did a really, really good job. Yeah. And so the woman wakes up. She's duct taped to a chair in a storage container. I said, there has to be a way to pre- track the purchase of these shipping containers, right? This is the third one. This is the third one. And he's not like a company. He's just buying shipping containers. There has to be a way to track buying them. Like, have they mentioned that? I don't know that they had. Weird. Like, yeah, no, it is weird. Right? It's weird. Have we, has no one thought about this? I don't know. But also, Hmm. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how you would go about beginning to purchase one of these shipping containers. Literally. But, but I assume there is a central authority on them? I don't maybe there's not. Maybe well there are like a ton of different like companies that make them, right? Yes. There must be. There must be. 
we okay. can't go down this rabbit hole right now, but no. yeah. Yeah. So then he like he shows her pictures the way he showed it of his family and it's of her family. He's been like surveilling her and taking pictures. And I was like, oh, he's doing the substitute thing. And I assumed it was going to be like when he killed someone who looked like his neighbor. I thought mm-hmm. he was going to like kill someone who looked like his wife. And instead, he's like, help me save my marriage and I'll spare you. Also, he says that he's killed 61 people. He gives us a number finally, which means yeah. there's another shipping container that they haven't found. Yeah. Because they've only found, what is it, 15, 16 bodies per shipping container? Yeah, so it's 30. So there might be somewhere around there. Two or three more. Yeah. Yeah. Which I just think is interesting. Yeah. Okay. Next, we have Emily talking to someone from North Carolina. I'm obsessed with her high-waisted, wide-legged pants. I'm super into that from Emily. Like, we've gone from her, like, skin-tight suit pants to her, like, baggy pants era. Like, she's giving me, like, bet from the L word and I'm here for it that hope you're lesbian please <laughs> okay and to then- me it's giving a little bit like she found one good pair of these pants that fit and then bought them in seven different colors absolutely you know absolutely. what I mean <laughs> yes you're correct no you're correct um and she says you know hey sorry Sicarius is closed officially speaking and the guy says, you know, I'm here because I, you know, looked up Cyrus LeBron. He died last week and we like luminalled his He says that one of his agents went into the cabin and was like, this is the creepiest building I've ever been in. So they luminalled <laughs> Which is, like, it. So true. What a gut check, man. Imagine Absolutely. being that deputy who goes in, finds Cyrus LeBron dead and goes, There's more going on here. <laughs> he walks in and he's like the vibes are rancid. <laughs> so they luminol it, and he says that the guy's living room, like, lit up. His whole living room was just blood. And they tested, they did DNA tests, like a bunch of DNA tests. And one of the victims was Maria Jones, who we met earlier, a few yes. episodes ago. Yeah. And so they're like, maybe Cyrus was Sicarius. He didn't have any connections to those people, but clearly he was, like, super active. So, and Emily's like, yeah, but, you know, the case is closed, you know, ooh, you know. So unless the North Carolina, unless you invite us, request the BAU's help on a serial killer, and the guy's like, consider it requested, officially speaking. Wink. I like the way that they're sort of like, we're now we're having fun dancing around the Sicarius case being closed. Before we were having a bad time dancing around it, but now we're doing a fun little jig. Now we're having a fun time dancing around the legalities of investigating this case when it is closed. Yes, I love it. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I love that also everyone else is playing along. Like everyone's like, yep, we get it. You're not working on this case, but we happen to have a serial killer and you're the BAU, but it's not Sicarius. Wink. Yeah. It's really good. No, it's really good. So they're talking about how Cyrus fits, you know, the crime and everything, but the MO is kind of different. Like he had dominance over powerful men and the sexual whatever with women, you know, but it's different than the 
storage units. So Penelope comes in and is like, hey, I have the info about this boy that he adopted. There was an apartment fire on 2nd Street, boom, boom, boom. And Lee was given to Cyrus. And they're like, wait, Lee, that's the alias he used with Allison Green. But, you know, it doesn't make sense for Cyrus to raise a kid. And Yeah, the, they make a yeah. note of, like, the fact that they don't think Cyrus is the type who would offer to take the kid. Right. And that comes up later when they say that he, Lee definitely, like, killed his own parents. So that would have, like, gotten Cyrus's interest. And, okay, and then this was a cute little moment. Penelope was like, good job, Luke. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa where's the insults where's this and he says like several insults about himself and she just laughs and is like don't be too hard on yourself and luca immediately turns to tara and is like she's getting some and tara's like oh yeah oh yeah she's getting some <laughs> they're annoying bitchy co-workers i'm I love obsessed them. i'm obsessed i'm obsessed they're like gossip gays for sure oh for sure they're like you just know Luke, Tara, and Penelope are like the gossipiest bitches in that place. Absolutely, the buy for buy energy from the three of them. Please buy exactly. for buy for buy. <laughs> like I oh, yeah. love the fact. Like JJ would act like she's above it, but she would still be sitting nearby listening in. Absolutely. And Emily can't officially be on it. Rossi doesn't give a shit, but those three. Oh yeah, mm, they're chaotic, and I love them. I love them so much. Yeah, no, the three of them are just like the gossip hubs. You know what I think it is? I think JJ is like, can hear everything from her desk. And she does the thing of like, I'm working. They think I'm not listening, but she absorbs all of it. And then Tara, Luke, and Penelope have like the convo. And then Tara goes to Emily and is like, you got to hear this. And Emily's like, no, I don't. Wink, you know. And Rossi's <laughs> like, no, I just know everything. You I don't just don't tell care. Me. I don't care. Yeah. Tell me. yeah. Okay. So then we have the cutest little, like, family night with JJ. And Michael's, like, asleep across her and Will's lap. And Henry's, like, laying beside her. And they're watching some sort of, like, true crime show together. <laughs> God bless. Which is really funny. It's so funny. So, you know, it's time to go to bed. The episode's over. And Henry asks JJ, you know, is that okay? Is he really okay? And JJ's like, why would you ask me that? And he's like, you're avoiding the answer. It was a yes or no question. And I was like, fuck yeah, Henry. <laughs> Get your mom. He does this again too later. And it's like, I love, I love when, <laughs> when parents raise their child to be one way and then are like, now where did you learn to do that? It's like, oh, yeah. from you, bestie. I am a reflection. Recognition of self through the other. Congratulations. And like, then, it's so funny. And then later when he's like, you know, you're both bad liars. You have tells. And she's like, what do you know about tells? And I'm like, <laughs> Bestie. JJ, you literally grew up with a family of profilers. What are you talking about? So funny. Yeah. It's so just so funny. It's so good. So she's like, yes, he's really okay. I promise. And then it like goes, cuts to her. She's wearing this big, like, she's wearing a sweatshirt, but she's cropped the bottom of it like she cropped her fucking cropped sweatshirts this season she is a menace she knows her she I'm knows obsessed. what she's got and she's gonna fucking flaunt it but what i love is this outfit is not even in any way it's it's pure comfort no sexy just pure, pure comfort. comfort but she was like i don't want the elastic around my hips from the sweatshirt i'm just gonna cut it off 
So now she has this huge baggie as comfy as she wants it's sweat at night. My sister, she's angrily doing dishes. And Will walks up and goes, uh-oh, what did I do? And I love the, like, it's canon, JJ cleans when she's angry. <laughs> what a mom. And it's so cute. It's so cute. I love that. Adorable. And she's basically like, okay, she's like, Henry's acting weird again. And she turns to Will, and Will picks up a dish towel and dries JJ's hands for her while she's talking. Male wife of all time. Oh, I love them so much. I love them so much. Yeah. I think it's really good that you can see that these two actors genuinely do like each other. And like their chemistry isn't just because they're doing their jobs. Like this is such a little thing that wasn't in the script, I bet you. Oh, yeah. And it's just like... It's just Josh Stewart and AJ Cook having worked together for damn near 10 years now. Even longer, 12 almost. Like, mm. no, it's, they're it's very good. good. Also, if you don't know, again, if you don't follow them on social media, or the cast or anything, Josh Stewart comments on every single thing the Criminal Minds cast posts with like a heart or a love you or a thumbs up or it looks good. He's on his shit. Paget posts her whole thing is like, she She'll points point a finger. Something. Yeah, that's like her whole thing on Instagram. And usually it's cooking. And every single time he's like, looks good. I love Brussels sprouts. Wow, tacos. Like, okay. He's so funny. He also did, he did that movie with AJ Cook yeah, back a fork. while back. Um, back I just fork. like, I just think it's so funny that you can tell that they're like all genuinely good friends and he's just sort of like on his dorky dad shit. And I love that about him, actually. I love that. Again, I have done, you guys are going to see me fucking hating, hating Will LaMontagne for like nearly the entire run of Criminal Minds. <laughs> and then we're going to hit season 16 and I'll be like, I love this man. Because he finally fixed his goddamn accent. It's so funny. That's it. It's so Anyway. Funny. Josh Stewart, who plays William LaMontagne Jr., good job this season. You've earned your regular status. I'm not going to lie to you. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's all that hard work you put in on the on the Instagram content mines. You, <laughs> it's the luck in the post that did it, bestie. <laughs> he, like, best friend his, ways, his way into as that. As he should. As he should. As he should. Truly as he should. Henry earlier overheard them saying that will has the password saved on his computer in, yeah for, like, will the makes some Porter. joke about how like everything that i need is on the portal and she's uh jj's like oh what's the password he's like the computer remembers so i don't have to which exactly. is just like such a yeah we're just i mean yeah i get it it's funny because it means that henry can log in also i said i was like obsessed with the fact that like on his shelf he just has like two ratty trapper keepers i like can't believe because they're still using those what the fuck shelf. else do you think we're gonna use? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't expect anyone to still be using Trapper Keepers. Whatever. Okay. He's looking on the computer. He's all up. He, mad. like, um, Henry, like, finds the, like, oncologist. Right. And he, like, you can see him, like, looking up what an oncologist is and, like, what they treat and stuff. And obviously, yeah. an oncologist treats cancer. So that's sort of where his mind has gone. For good reason, because he did his detective work. Because he's the child of two detectives. Yeah. I also like that he, you know, I don't like it, but I like that he has this kind of, like, anxiety, like JJ does. Yeah. He's like, if you didn't tell me, and I'm going to go, like, I'm going to think of the worst possible scenario. And he's right. 
He's correct. Yeah. Honestly, if you don't have the facts, you're going to think of the worst possible solution. You know, it's yeah. not good. Okay, back to Elias. He's sitting across from the woman. He's basically, like, asking for scripts to be normal, to, like, have the conversation with his wife that he's a serial killer. He, I, okay. Is he expecting to tell his wife that he's a serial killer and she's going to be like, we'll figure it out? I think this is a little bit, I think this and then the increase in scenes last episode where he was imagining things, I think this is sort of his descent into, like, he's losing his grip. I think that's what I read this as. And, like, he's finding this ideal situation that's never going to work, you know? Yeah, yeah. But he believes that it will because he's sort of like, he's fucking losing it. Yeah. And so I think that's why, like, last episode, he had so many, like, little flashbacks and things that weren't real. And this episode, he's, like, trying to find the perfect thing to say when, like, there is never going to be a perfect thing to say. Yeah, like, I, I really think that he expects her to, I don't know. But also, we saw how willing he is to kill her. So this might be a situation where he's like, Hopefully I can tell her and she'll just like roll with it because <laughs> it's the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Isn't that what she wants? It's just a terrible truth. Okay. He's talking to her and he picked her because she's a good like mom and wife. And she's like, you know, he asks her, what would you say if I came home and et cetera. And she's like, oh my God, yay. And then she, he points the gun at her. And she's like, why are you doing this to me? And he's like, ah, oh, there we go. He like knows that she would be angry. So then he's like, I'm going to tell you the truth. I confess to the killing. And he's like, but I think I can change, you know, if I have you guys, which we know isn't true because he's had them this whole time, right? What? Elias says, I can change. I can stop killing if I have my wife, if I have my daughters, you know, they'll make me better and I'll stop killing. But like, he's had them this whole time and he's still been killing, you know, like that's a delusion. Again, he's just slipping, I think, into delusion, period. I think he's it's like finally coming apart. And, and I mean when he the next thing he does is turn around Ramona and he sees his wife's wife's face instead of Ramona's. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. It's not great. So then he tells Ramona, you know, download this app. Don't be af- you like you don't need to be afraid, but your family should be afraid because I'm not going to come hurt you. I'm going to kill your husband. I'm going to kill your kids. And if I don't, someone will. Oh, and then, like, we see her husband park her car, and he gets a call from Ramona, and she's like, I'm fine, I just needed some time, I'll be back tomorrow. Can I say one genius thing? Yeah. Elias held her phone up to her face, and he unlocked it using her face ID. I think that's such a good little, like, for for all the ways that we've been like, none of this is technologically accurate. That's such a little thing that, like, yeah, okay, sure. Oh. It really kills me. That was a good one. He didn't need her password. He just like held it up to her face. Oof. Yeah. And then he's like, would you give your life for your husband? And she says, no. And he's like, would you give your life for Which, your like, children? Wow, brutal, but also like pragmatic. Sure. And then he's like, I would you give it. them for your children? And she says, yes. And he goes, we shall see. This reminds me of a story of a story or, you know, something my dad told me where he was basically like, you know, if... My stepmom was in front of a bus, about to get hit by a bus. He would run and save her, but he would be like, ugh, the whole time. If my sister and I were in front of a bus, 
he would be moving before he even knew what was happening. You know, like, yeah, that's kind of the difference between like a partner and kids. Where it's like, I love my partner, I would do anything for them, I would die for them. But like, at the end of the day, they're another fully formed adult, right? Whereas my children, <laughs> they are... My brain is making me move before I even think about right, it. Right, yeah. exactly. And she kind of has that, and he's like, we'll see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, the BAU is talking about Lee, Elias, and his history. And, okay, so here's my question. Do we think Elias is the name he took later because as a I kid, guess it has to because they talk about Lee like that's his actual name right and they say that's the alias he used with Allison but I think that might be his like legal name yeah his name must be like Lee Lebrun and now well, he I goes think, by no they say his name Elias is Lee Duvall oh Lee Duvall yeah yeah and then he changed it to Elias Voigt so we get the history Lee goes to stay with his uncle and then he's homeschooled and Cyrus got money for taking care of him. And then Lee disappears when he's 18, like off the face of the earth. And they're like, maybe he's a victim, maybe not. But they talk about the fire in the apartment that killed his parents. It was a heating unit in the child's bedroom that had been compromised. And they said it was like a glitch. And at first, the authorities thought that he had been killed. But then they found him at a park way away. And it's like, maybe he killed his own parents. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Which maybe- I think lines up a lot with what we saw the, what was it, episode five or six, where we got the flashbacks to young Elias. Um, yeah, the uncle is like... I think that like, lines up a lot. Yeah, I think the uncle even references, like, we know what really killed your parents, you know? Yeah. And I think, like, if Cyrus is getting money and knows that Elias is a killer, that's, you know, incentive enough to make him stay. Okay. So they're talking to the Indio police when they think that this is probably Sicarius. And we find out that, you know, her office is on 2nd Street. That's a big deal. But Ramona told her coworkers about the walkthrough. And, you know, Indio is one of the places where they couldn't find a kill kit. There was already a missing kill kit. Yeah. And, but they're like, you know, but Sicarius is officially closed. So how do we handle this? And they say, JJ and Emily will run interference while everybody else goes to Indio. Then we see a man smoking at a park. He gets a text and it says time to get back to work. And Elias calls him and says, you know, the heat on our network has faded. Let's get back. It's going to be great. And the guy's like, I'm good at following the rules. I'm going to do it. Let's do it. And I said, he's definitely going to give, like Elias is definitely going to give this woman as a gift, you know. So, oh yeah, then we cut to the jet. They're back on the jet. I thought the jet was gone. Why are we on the jet? Whatever. Emily's like, just take it. <laughs> Wheels up. Sure. Yeah. And they say, you know, the second street thing fits, but, you know, the geography is off. It's weird. And then Penelope, <laughs> this is funny. Well, it's not funny. Penelope is like, hey guys, you know, there's this missing persons report from Ramona. Wait, it just got updated. She called her husband and said she's fine, but she's not back yet. Wait, it was updated again. They found her car. (laughs) They do a lot of shit real fast in this app, which makes me laugh. Yeah. It's so weird. And then Rossi's going to talk to the local 
cops and stuff and Tara and Mika are gonna go to the scene. I okay, this isn't a minute, but I really like that Elias underestimated the BAU. Like he too. He thinks that phone call was enough. He thinks no one's gonna care enough or think that it's weird. And like I'm wondering if, you know, he's been able to just leave for a while and tell his wife he needs time to go. So why does Ramona's husband not believe her when she says she just needed some time and disappeared, you know? Like, he really thinks that's normal to just vanish for a few days. And it's not. Yeah. Okay. At the scene of the car, they have two surveillance videos, and both times the feed cuts out. And they say that he has, you know, done signal jamming before. He definitely works in tech. And the policewoman says, you know, I've been keeping tabs and I know about Sicarius, but we can't see him on these pictures. We don't know. And then there's no gas in the tank of her car. So he's definitely been driving around probably to like the container, etc. And then the local woman goes, okay, I'll coordinate things. And Tara goes, don't mention Sicarius. And she says this because like, oh, we don't know if it's him or not yet. But they're like, don't mention it. This isn't a Sicarius case. Please no. Yeah. Okay, so then back to the woman. Elias is letting her go, but he's gonna like give her a shot, and she's like, "Don't." He's like, "Don't worry, you're gonna be out, and you'll wake up at home like Dorothy in Kansas," which is like a random reference, I think, but whatever. Okay, and then the guy, but then the guy from the park pulls up and like opens a random trunk, and she's in the trunk. So you're like, "Oh, she's dying. She's gonna die." Yeah. Did we talk about the guy from the park? Yeah. Okay. We did. We did. Sorry, it's past my bedtime. <laughs> I know. So then we cut to a mobile command center. Rossi is talking to Ramona's husband, shows the picture from the CCTV, and is like, is this familiar? No. And then the husband gets a call from Ramona's mother, and he doesn't answer it. And he's like, sorry, I just don't know what to tell her. And Rossi's like, no, wait, you made me think of something. And Rossi says the reason Elias kept reaching behind himself was because he was ignoring a call. And it was probably his wife because... She's getting in the way of him trying to kill. So then, okay, mm-hmm. Rossi is like, pull the cell records for the closest tower to the Ace Hardware store, and then all of the missed calls from the Pacific Northwest. Well, I think he, he doesn't say all the missed calls from the Pacific Northwest. I think he just says, from that batch near the tower, pick out any of them from the Pacific Northwest. No, he says all the missed calls from Pacific Northwest. Because later she says, Penelope's like, it's a bazillion. And she's like, I, I assume thought... I assume you mean Oregon and this and that. Because I don't think there, there would be that crazy amount of calls from them, you know, from the Pacific Northwest to Chattanooga at that five minute window. That's why I thought this whole thing was fucking strange. Because it was like a 10 minute window that they were looking at. Yeah. And... No, it's it's like, all of the missed calls in those 10 minutes. And so she just sends him the spreadsheet of the ones that cross over. Yeah, all and right, then he's like, sure. I'm going to go do, like, door-to-door door knocking, knocking, which is yeah. wild. And then he's like, he's like, I'm not the same call. I'm not the same guy that needed therapy over his dead wife. And Penelope's like, okay, you still need to go to therapy. But I get it. Love you, mean it. <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny. Yeah. Okay, so then we go back to the concept of do you remember in the earlier episodes, they're like, each of these kill kits represents a type of death? Yes. 
So the two that are missing are acid and strangulation. And so now we've gone back to that, like, this kid is either going to be acid or strangulation. So they go back to the message boards, cross-reference with Tyler's messages, and that's when they come up with forget-me-nots. And they say, here are forget-me-nots messages. Wait, let me read this one straight. <clears throat> forget-me-nots messages. Because women are inherently evil. It's just in their bones. Nothing but arrogance and antithesis antipathy that goes for all women especially everyone in the insidious city of festivals the oblivious out of towners who come in with their head up their ass oblivious to those who surround them they deserve nothing more than the end of a rope and then i'm obsessed with this one an awful she devil someone who is supposed to show love and compassion but gave nothing but villainous contempt I was like, okay, that's a grandma. Antipathy okay. is not one that you hear often. No, it really, it was interesting. Antipathy is like a deep-seated feeling of dislike or aversion. Yeah. Synonyms are hostility, animosity, hmm. All right. abhorrence. Anyway. Yeah. It, no, it's a weird word to throw in there. But I mean, if he's also saying shit like villainous contempt yeah know. it does fit yeah also we see um a message from before and, and i do want to remind you that there was a name of a guy called george jungle fucker that's why to bring that back <laughs> that's gonna be the the dude who does the acid that's the acid guy yeah, right there it's gonna george be Jung george jungle fucker that's acid man right there god i hope so Okay. Can you imagine if I'm right? I will never shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> Could you imagine? As is your right. Okay. Emily says the city of festivals is Indio. And then Emily says this incel leaning on sub. And I was like, oh no, Emily knows about incels. <laughs> and I hate it. And then JJ says, you know, he's mentioned a previous crime and punishment. And the local cop from Indio is like, that reminds me of Arthur Keel. He tried to hang his grandmother, sent away, served three years, paroled five years ago, still lives in Indio. Okay. Then we see the real estate agent is still kind of drugged. Arthur's tying her up. And then he has a police scanner, right? Because all the boxes had police scanners. And he hears Ramona's name and he calls Elias and says, you've given me damaged goods. And this is when Elias is like, he doesn't know they're still looking for Ramona. He didn't expect the dedication of the BAU. And then, okay, listen. Mm -hmm. I don't like it, but I like the whole, like, if your arms come down, it hangs It's you. ingenious, isn't it? It's yeah. absolutely evil. And then, like, when her legs eventually give out, like, oh, wild. And he's basically it's like, ingenious. yeah, and he explains it and then goes, you know, sorry, I won't be here to see it. And he leaves. He goes home and he sees the BAU. He sees Rossi and Luke in front of his house and they chase him. And he's definitely like either going to kill himself or whatever. And Rossi's like, don't do this. You're going to be a patsy. Elias wants you to do this. But then Arthur like points the gun at Rossi. So Rossi, quote unquote, has to shoot him. And they're like, okay, now we have to find Ramona. They can't geolocate her phone because there's a SIM card. Arthur doesn't have any properties, but he would use a discreet place. His grandparents 
had an industrial fabrication building, which is now sitting spooky and empty. So Luke and Targ. I love the way Penelope describes things. It's spooky. It's spooky and empty. Yeah. I've, and then we cut back to the real estate agent and I said, oh, she's starting to choke. And then you like don't know if she's dead or not, but she's still kind of swaying. Luke like lifts her up and Tara unties her and she's alive. We see her kissing her husband in the hospital and Tara comes in and is like, hey, can you tell me anything about him? And we get the flashback of like Elias saying her family's going to die. So she's like, no, I didn't see his face. And Tara obviously reads right through that. So Ro- this is it. Okay. Rossi calls Garcia. And she's like, there's a nine minute window within the CCTV when he checks his phone twice. So I have so many names and numbers for the call. Bazillion, she says. And we learned that like Emily can't talk to the attorney general without the information from Ramona that shows Sicarius is still out there. You know, Tara, so Tara and Luke are going to go back to Rockville, which was like the first body they found. And Rossi's going to go to the Pacific Northwest on a commercial fight. The disdain in his voice when he says a commercial you flight. You know that man is still getting first class. First fucking class, yeah. And then he's going to do door-to-door canvassing. So Rossi agreeing to go out there and do door-to-door canvassing to me says that Penelope has put together the cross-section of people who called chattanooga and people who are from the pacific northwest you know like there's no way there's a million fucking people in the in the the bmw like it must be just like a spreadsheet of like 50 people like it has to be yeah which is why i thought it was stupid that she was pulling all of the fucking calls in the first place yeah i don't i don't know i don't know anyway so then we go to JJ's house. JJ's house. She comes downstairs with a baseball bat. And she's like, isn't this the bat from when he used to play baseball? You keep it by the bed. And he's like, yep. And she says, Henry had it under his bed. Is he scared? Here's my questions. Why was JJ looking under Henry's bed? Also, he was clearly still home. How did she get that baseball bat? <laughs> I don't know. Did she walk into his I mean- bedroom like... What's under your bed? Oh, it's a bat. I'm going to take this. And then obviously he follows her down like, what? I don't know. Maybe she was just like looking through. Maybe she's like putting away laundry or something. And she like kicked something under his bed and was like, now hold on. This is a baseball bat. Also, baseball bat next to bed. Great protection strategy, actually. I have one next to my bed. Anyway. Big fan of baseball bats. My dad does too. They're my oh. apocalypse weapon of choice, for sure. For sure. Would you do the thing where you like put nails in them? Depends on what kind of apocalypse we're talking. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it That's depends. Fair. Yeah. The answer's probably yes, but it depends. Yeah. So Henry comes downstairs and is like, who's Dr. Harvey? JJ, you lied to me. And she's like, no, I didn't. Like, I told you he's fine and he's fine. We just didn't want you to know. We didn't... Will says they didn't want Henry to worry, but they should have known that he could handle it. So they sit him down and he says the bats to protect him from Sicarius. And Henry's like, I've been watching the news. The agents that got blown up, you were one of them, weren't you? And she's like, yeah, but like, obviously. Did she not even tell him that? Well, she wasn't even telling her husband shit at the time. She's not batting a thousand when it comes to this whole motherhood thing. I'm not going to lie to you. She just, she has a hard time with her feelings. 
that's okay. That's all right. You too can have a hard time with the feelings that live inside of your body. If you get fucking exploded. That's fair. So Henry's like, I've been looking online. It says that, you know, Sicarius has it out for the FBI. He could be coming for us. And she's like, it's fine. It's fine. And he's like, you're a terrible liar. Okay. And they all have tells, which is so cute. they all have tells. Yeah, I love it. So then, also, she's like, how do you know about tells when they watch, like, true crime television together? (laughs) And also, I guarantee you she has used that on him before. Like, come on. Obviously. Obviously, it's such a mom thing to say. So the final scene, the final scene, (laughs) Elias' wife gets a call, and he's basically like, Elias asks about the girls, and she says, it's been 10 days with no contact. And she's like, I thought you might be dead. I kept waiting to, like, I kept, like, Googling your name. And, like, it would suck if you were dead, but at least then I'd know. And she's like, you know, I, sometimes I think you may not come home, that it's going to be over. And he's like, it's not over. I have a lot to tell you. No more keeping secrets. And then he's like, can I come home? And she says, I never told you to leave. Yeah. You left. And he's like, okay, I'll be home that night. And then she drops her phone and just, like, starts crying. And I feel so bad for her. She's, like, being so strong. And then the doorbell rings. And it's rough. I just want to also mention Kylie Sanchez. Girl, you're fucking great in this role. She's oh, yes. fucking phenomenal. She's so good. The women this episode? Mm. Chef's kids. are all doing fucking great. The women every episode ever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Rossi's at the door and that's the end of this. And wow. It's a lot. I like these episodes. Me these too. are two very good episodes. Besides the fact that they uh, changed the, change the titles on me. I think they're good eps. They're good episodes. Do they say what doesn't kill us in the episode? No, no. But they do say forget-me-nots, obviously. Obviously. And they say wheels up in both episodes. Yeah. So, honestly, we're on a fucking roll here, gang. Mm It's three episodes in a row we've got no wheels up from season 16. What a life. What What an embarrassment of riches before we go back to the fucking dirt that is season three. James. Yes. Scale of one to ten. Oh. What are you ranking these episodes? I want to give them both tens. Really? I don't know. For reference, you gave, you started off, you started off this season at like eights, and a lot of them got eights, and then Oedipus Rex got nine from you, and then True Conviction got a ten. So you want to keep going with tens? Yeah, I really like Evolutions. I really like Evolution. Isn't it good to be watching good Criminal Minds again? Isn't this yeah. fun? <laughs> I love fun? it, actually. God damn it, I like this show. God damn it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going with you. I think, I think I'm going a 10 for what doesn't kill us, but I think I'm going to go back down to a 9 for forget-me-nots. Okay. I think the girls having their little gay moment in what doesn't kill us makes it a 10 for me yeah but i just didn't i mean like it's really good acting but i just like i was kind of bored during forget me nots i kept i was checking my phone but like what doesn't kill us i was glued to that goddamn screen <laughs> that's fair you know next week oh next week on wheels up gang we are meeting the beginning of one of these evolutions characters we're watching season three, episode six, about face. Oof. Rossi's first ep. Ross. Okay, this episode makes me cringe so much. There's a lot. There's a lot. 
mostly just all the Rossi bullshit, but... The case ugh. is kind of fucked up. The case is fucked up. It's one of those fucked up ones. Rossi is so cringy. Rossi's our yeah. cringe fail grandpa. From the beginning. From the very beginning. <laughs> this man. So cringe fail. No, his first few episodes, like, really make me cringe. They're, they're, they're like, frustrating to watch. But that's what we'll be doing next week. We'll pick up the terrible Rossi with the good now Rossi. I know, I like it. We're sort of seeing beginning and like end of character arc, and I think it's kind of funny. The more things change, the more things stay the same. He's still our cringe fail grandpa. That's it. You can find us anywhere <laughs> on social media. Anyway, you get your socials at Wheels Up Pod. If you want to email us a correction, you can do so at Wheels Up Pod at or Wheels Up at uh, brightcrownmedia.com um, or if you want to leave us a like correction you can do so on Anchor or Spotify you can do that um, shout out to let me I want to shout out the person who told me um, shout out to apprentice.hazel uh, from uh, our Spotify who was the one who pointed out to me that the clapboard says season 16 of Criminal Minds I just want to say thank you for that bestie uh, and that's it for this week. James, do you have an ending quote for me, bestie? I do. Mm-hmm. As Penelope Garcia says, no one ever tells you how good nerds are in bed. Congratulations to us. Congratulations, nerds. You fuck good. Congratulations. God. I'm proud of you, nerds. Sometimes you're good at fucking, hey. You know what? There's got to be an upside. Everything else, downside. Everything else of being a nerd sucks. The sex is incredible.